0: listening to Ask Farnoosh. It is Friday, October 7th. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. We are well into October now. It is is almost the end of the year. Not quite, but you know, seriously, once Halloween happens, Sophia and I were joking like it's pretty much 2017. Sophia, (laughs) welcome to the show. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So if you were listening last week, I'd mentioned that I got my son this... Fire truck costume, really cute from Pottery Barn. This really kind of nice felt material. It's beautifully constructed. (laughs) Um, He won't wear it. He refuses to wear it. It's currently sitting in his room. He's put his toys in it, but he refuses to get in it himself. And so we're hoping that in the next two and a half weeks, we will convince him otherwise. But Tim said this morning, he was like, well, if he doesn't want to wear it, I'll sort of wear it and then we'll just make him a fireman. <laughs> I don't know how he plans on getting in it, but That's maybe he'll have, to, like, he'll have to cut the sides out or something. and then <laughs> Get creative. I don't want to let it go to waste. And by next year, he'll totally just be into Batman or something. Of course. As so many of my friends' sons and some daughters are 24-7 superhero. Like they wear the cape, the outfit. All day, every day, to school, two two naps, to bed. Uh, so that might be in my future. And uh, this poor <laughs> fire truck that I got is just, you know. Well, I'll have to give it. Maybe my. Hey, by the way, guys, I'm having another baby. Um, <laughs> P.S. If you follow me on social media, you saw me on the Today Show, or you follow us uh, through our email list, you already know this isn't news to you, but. For those of you who didn't catch that, uh, we're expecting a baby girl in March, and uh, so this. My point in saying this as well is that she will wear the fire truck costume uh, <laughs> if Evan won't, and we're really excited to have a girl this time to experience that. Any parents of girls out there? I'm I'm open to all your advice. Uh, part of me is a little afraid of uh, being a mom to a girl, and also really excited. But, you know, also a little afraid because girls are super smart and I just see them on the playground. You know, they're like way ahead at this age than boys, generally speaking, in terms of vocabulary and strategy and scheming. It's pretty awesome, but also like how do you deal with that? Open to your suggestions. And speaking of opening to your suggestions... And wanting to hear from you, Um, you know, every month, every week, actually, I write for Mint.com now. I'm their uh, featured columnist, and we wanted to dedicate one column per month to auditing a Mint user's account. Excuse me, account. So you don't have to give me your account, username, and password. You can just tell me generally like how much you make, how you spend, your debt, things like that, and what you want to accomplish, whether it's getting out of debt, saving more, getting a retirement account going, saving for college, or all of the above. And then together, we'll come up with some strategies, and then we'll publish those results on Mint.com for everybody to see and learn from. And the first one goes up in a week or two. And we're just, you know, continuing to reach out and say, hey, if you've got any interest in participating, just get in touch with me and we'll follow up with you. The email to reach out to me at is farnoosh at so many and uh, let us know that you heard about this through the podcast and that you have to be a Mint user to qualify. That's the one thing, but Mint is free. So hopefully, uh, you'll. if you're already on there, great. If you haven't, check it out. All right. So let's go to our questions this week. I understand we have some people who are talking prenup. We have some people who want to start businesses. We've got it all. Our first one, though,
1: is about student loans. It's from Sarah. She writes in and she's currently using the income-based repayment program to pay for her student loans. She has about $176,000 at 7.8%. And she's done her research and noticed that a bank is offering a great rate of 3.75% for a 15-year fixed. And so she's also heard a rumor that rates might go up by the end of the year. So she's wondering if maybe she should refinance with this new opportunity or stay with her income based repayment program.
0: Right. Wow, so okay, first of all, $176,000 in student loans. That is that is a lot and 7.8% is a a lot of interest for especially for that amount of debt. Uh, the income based repayment program can be very helpful. You know, the way that works is that it's a government program. If you're a federal loan borrower, you may be able to qualify if your debt is just too much to carry. And in this situation, $176,000, I would think she would qualify. Sounds like she did. And how it works is it pegs your payments, your monthly payments to no more than 10 or 15% of your income. And if your income Um, rises, then of course your monthly payments will rise because it's a percentage base. And if you haven't after 20 years or 25 years, sorry, um, paid it all off, then the remaining balance is forgiven. So that's great. But enter this new possibility to refinance with this bank at 3.75% fixed for 15 years. I kind of like that. You know, knowing nothing else, I think that that's a very low interest rate. And yes, interest rates—I mean—have nowhere to go but up (laughs) at this point. And so, over the next few years, you could see uh, rates go up. So it's smart to lock in a fixed rate now. And just read the fine print. Make sure this is not uh, too good to be true. And then, you know, do the math and see if it makes sense. I mean, I—the one thing I would say about. This IBR program is that, you know, when they peg pay your payments to no more than 10 or 15%, sometimes that doesn't cover the interest, you know, depending on what your income is. Um, and so if that happens, uh, they the program says they will pay your interest for the first three years. But the interest then gets tacked on to the total amount that you owe, so your balance could go up in an IBR program. Your monthly payments will be more affordable because it's pegged to what you can afford. But just be cautious of that happening as well. For anyone out there who takes on an IBR program, you might, you know, find one day that your balance is like not getting any smaller, and that maybe because that the interest was getting tacked on to it. Um, you know, because the government was taking care of it for you when you thought you were taking care of it. So for this particular person, Sarah, given what she's told us and I know nothing else, I like, you know, I'm just doing the math in my head. 3.75 is less than 7.8. But one caveat, Sarah, to remember is that if you refinance into a with a private organization, a private bank, this federal loan. You will no longer be able to qualify for federal programs. So if you find yourself in a in a bind again, the federal programs for federal loans will no longer apply to you. So that's just something to keep in mind. You might be okay with that, but just putting it out there. All right. We have Ashley next. She owns a small business. Yeah. And she recently got engaged. Ooh. Congratulations!
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> she recently read that a prenup might be a good idea in her case, but she's not sure she can wrap her head around it. So she wants to know
0: what you think. You know who got divorced recently? You know, girl oh. boss. Oh, yes. Sophia. Sophia yeah. That's so. It was in the news and she Instagrammed it. So I think it's okay to talk about <laughs> it now. I know nothing other than what I just read in the paper or the paper, <laughs> the internet. Um, and she had a – super tight prenup. She's worth a lot of money. She continues to make a lot of money. And so she, she also lives in California, which is a, a community property state. Very important for people in that state who want to protect their assets in a marriage before going into the marriage, during the marriage, to have a prenup because a community property state, and there are nine of them Arizona, California, Idaho, Louisiana, Nevada, New Mexico, Texas, Washington, Wisconsin. The way it works there is if you don't have a prenup, then you are beholden to your state's divorce settlement laws. And there, when you enter a marriage, your property becomes basically community property owned equally by husband and wife. So in the divorce, it's basically a a 50-50 split not everybody's okay with that. So the first thing I would say to Ashley is you want to be aware of your state's laws. What does your state say is the de facto, the you know, um, the default process of divorce in your state? And if you live in one of these community property states, then most likely you will want a prenup, especially if you're asking this question, it sounds like you're probably interested in protecting your assets and also your income that you might be earning in your marriage. I mean, you could have a business that's a small business now, but it could grow very quickly and in your marriage could become a very lucrative and big entity. And if your marriage breaks up, if I hope that doesn't happen, but if that does happen, would you be okay with splitting all of that growth with your partner? And if you are not, then that's when a prenup may be able to help you out. But again, it all depends on what your state says. Maybe your state is more flexible, more lenient, and there's more of a workaround in the event that there's a divorce. But having a prenup too ensures that your divorce proceedings go by faster. And time is money when you're working with lawyers and court systems. So for all these reasons, if you want to protect your money and assets going into the marriage, during the marriage, then you want a prenup. And if you also want a Fast and clean exit. Also have a prenup, and make sure too that your partner reads it carefully, and make sure that he also has a lawyer look at it carefully. Because what's happening, Sophia? I've re- You know, I did a lot of research on prenups as I wrote my book. When she makes more, uh-huh. and what's happening now is like prenups are getting thrown out the, d- the window, like because people were signing them in duress. <laughs> Oh, like goodness. people would come, like the husband or the wife would would show up like the night before the wedding, with this like twenty page prenup, and of course you're gonna sign whatever at that point. You might be a little ticked off, but you're like, <laughs> okay. I mean, my, my relatives are in town. I have a dress. I gotta I gotta sign this. And um, what what judges are finding is that if you were if you signed the prenup in duress, if you signed it and actually the prenup is completely one sided. It may not hold in a court of law once you get divorced. So it's important that it, you know, that obviously the person initiating the prenup is self serving here. Like you want to protect your assets, but you also want to be mindful of the other person's needs as well and make sure that you, you know, that it's a collaboration, not just like, hey, I wrote this prenup. Here, sign it. You have twenty four hours. You know, make it. Um, and and I know that prenups are not romantic. And you, the other thing to keep in mind is that postnups are also an option for those of us who are married and realize, oh, you know what? I should have gotten a prenup, and I didn't. You can get a postnup. Um, it's essentially the same thing, but it's done after the fact. So, good luck, Ashley. Congrats on getting engaged, and hope your business continues to flourish. And just be smart, you know, and, and I, I mentioned earlier that prenups aren't romantic, but in this day and age, it's really important to be realistic. And I think if you have a partner who's mature and uh, understands where you're coming from, I think this shouldn't be too big of a point of contention. Hopefully, it's just something that, you know, you do along with getting your marriage license and all the other to-dos uh, as you head down the aisle. All right. Good question. Good <laughs> question. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your website today. The result is stunning.
1: All right. Our next credit question is about credit. And it comes from Brianna. She's wondering about applying for an extended credit line on her current credit card, or if she should just apply for a new credit card. She knows that both will pull a credit report, and she doesn't know in the long run which would be better.
0: True. No matter whether you're getting uh, an extended credit line from your existing credit card issuer, or you're applying for a new credit card, chances are each of these companies will do a quote-unquote hard inquiry on your credit report. One hard inquiry is not the end of the world, you know? So at at this point, I wouldn't say that that is going to be the game changer. What is going to matter, Brianna, for you as far as which route to take is, are you happy with your credit card company? What kind of a credit line will they grant you? Is it enough? And so if you go to your credit card, maybe start with your credit card issuer and say, I'm interested in an extended line of credit before you run my credit check. What can I earn? Like, what's the additional line that I can earn? And if you're happy with that and you like this credit card company, and I like the idea of having everything under one roof for the most part, um then stick with them. If they offer you a very little amount of credit and you're also maybe also in the market for a different kind of credit card that offers cash back, rewards, something like that, then maybe, yeah, you move into another card. But as far as the inquiry, I think that is, uh, the same either way you go. But the real differentiator here is what do you want? And are you happy with the card company that you have? Um, what do you want out of the credit limit? What do you want out of the card? And if you can get everything you want from the same place you're at currently, then great. That's great because it'll, it's just more streamlined. But, um, other than otherwise, just go, you know, shop around and you can look for credit cards at sites like, bankrate.com, nerdwallet.com, creditcards.com. We actually answered a question about an extended credit line, or I, we mentioned it on the Today Show uh, last week on Friday when we were answering people's questions. Somebody was asking about how to increase their credit score quickly. And one thing that I mentioned was you could potentially call your existing card issuer and ask for some extra credit. An additional ten, five, ten thousand dollars, because what that does is it reduces your debt to credit ratio, and that's about thirty percent of your credit score calculation. And within one or two billing cycles, you might see your credit score um, move higher, noticeably higher. Um, so that's a little, that's my little uh, nerdy that's, credit hour for you, that's right a there. Good, fun fact, yeah, fun, fun, <laughs> nerdy credit fact. <laughs>
1: Well, sticking with the uh, credit card theme, but a question now about rewards comes from Carrie, and she recently got a rewards credit card to earn travel rewards after doing a lot of research. And basically, the gist of the card is there's a one-to-one dollar to point system and one to two for travel and restaurant expenses. And she has the ability to pay rent using her credit card, but there's a 3% fee. So she's wondering if it's worth putting the rent to get the points on her card, Mm -hmm. even though she says she knows it's a little silly that she would be paying a fee.
0: So the question is, is it worth paying the fee to get the extra points? Yeah. That that really depends on what that fee amounts to every month, 3% of her rent, she didn't mention. Does did she mention how much her rent is? No, she didn't. Okay, so that's really the math that Carrie needs to do first. And I just did a hypothetical. I was like, let's say she makes a thousand dollars. Her rent, sorry, is a thousand dollars a month. Then a three percent fee every time she you know charges that is thirty dollars a month, three hundred sixty dollars a year. So will your points from all your spending? add up to more than $360 in value. Um, That's what she needs to estimate. So whatever you end up doing with your points, will you get something back in value that is more than if you were to just shell out $360 for it? And so because I don't know her rent and I don't really know how much she spends on this card, I can't answer this specifically, but that's kind of the thinking, the rationale and, um, That's why I don't have a points. I do have a points card and I don't think my rent landlord charges a 3% fee. Although I don't have a landlord. (laughs) I have a mortgage. I'm trying to think what I, but, but I used to pay my rent with the, with the credit card and I don't think I got charged a fee. Maybe talk to your landlord and see if he can like reduce that fee for you. Everything's negotiable. (laughs) That seems pretty high. I agree.
1: Nowadays, I think most people want you to pay with either a ca- either cash, um, a check, or your debit card, though, because that way it's like instant money. Yeah. And I think maybe in order to process money from a credit card, it might just require maybe they charge the fee because it requires extra expenses on their part.
0: Well, yeah, the banks charge you a fee whenever the bank charges the merchant or the the swiper a right. fee. So it's like using PayPal, you know, or any one of these like online payment systems for the convenience. Um, there's what's called – well, if, with, with cards, it's it's actually called an, um, an interchange fee or a bank fee. So that is why some places, although it's prohibited now, will say we don't accept credit cards, you know, or we don't accept a certain kind of credit card or you have to spend a minimum of $10 or $15 before we'll process it with a credit card because they just don't want to keep getting that bank fee. Um, but now what they're, what they're doing now to get around it is they're just charging consumers and saying, here's, (laughs) you pay it for me. (laughs) So I get it. But, um, you know, maybe she can, if she's been there for a while and she's, they can play nice, nice. You can go in there and say, can we make this maybe like 2% or 1% or whatever? See if you'll, if you'll negotiate. Definitely. Well, we're already at our last question
1: and it comes from the token mail this week. The token mail, <laughs> Fred, and he says that both him and his wife are thirty-eight, and he has a stable job, and she's a doc, a visiting doctor. And right now, they have about one month of savings. And in December of this year, they'll have taken their credit card debt from forty-nine thousand down to thirteen thousand. So they've paid off a substantial amount. And she really wants to open up her own medical practice next year, but they also want to buy a house now that they've kind of determined a location where they want to live. And she'll be the guarantor for her business loan. But he wants to know if they should both apply for both loans at the same time, the business and
0: the mortgage, or space them out. Mm. There's a lot going on with Fred. <laughs> uh, a lot. What I'm still stuck on is they only have a month in savings. Yeah, I think they need to boost that up a little bit, don't you think? Yeah, I feel yeah. I feel like you should space it out just for even if you had like a year's worth of savings, I would still say space it out because if you're suddenly going out there, um, well, you said your wife's only going to be going for the for the business loan, I guess, but if she's also going to be on the mortgage if she's going out it's going to look like she's a little credit crazy right now that's what it's going to look like because when lenders start to look at her credit they'll go wow she's also applying for a mortgage or she's also applying for a business loan you know and that could raise some red flags or or some alarm bells uh, we don't you know it's just it's all those hard inquiries could potentially impact her negatively and um it's not that she won't get the loans but they may not be the best interest rates or it's a risk, so I would just say space it out for that one reason, and for another reason is to to just give yourself some breathing room. I think that's a lot to take on a home and a business at the same time the the debt of that. and so maybe first things first, increase your savings because that's going to be a big factor in determining your qualification for a mortgage. you know when I applied for a mortgage every time I've done it. They want to know immediately before they even, just to get pre-qualified, they want to know your income, your savings, your debt. They want to know what's, what that pie looks like. And, um, if you only have a month of savings and, you know, that, that could, that could be a red flag. They would probably want to see more like three to six months. And so liquid. You know, and also remember for a mortgage, you're going to need a down payment and all of that. So you're learning a lot of cash for a house, despite the fact that you'll be getting a mortgage. Cash is king. Then, you know, after a few months of that, maybe you've bought the house, you've settled in a little bit, you've been showing good payment behavior with the mortgage, you've been boost- all the while boosting your credit score. Now, maybe go in for the next opportunity, which is the business loan. And you know, I just think pace yourself because I know, like, you want to get everything done. Now it's exciting time, and uh, you're eager. I get that, but you also want to be mindful of some of the the overwhelm that could happen with taking on all this debt, and also the realities of being people in the marketplace shopping for big loans, multiple big loans at the same time. That could raise some concern from underwriters. Like, wow, are they taking on too much? So step-by-step baby steps, I think is the best advice. And you don't have to wait too long. I mean, I'm just saying space it out by six months to a year.
1: The other thing too, is if you're buying a home, like you also want to have some money saved up for maybe some unforeseen expenses Mm -hmm. that might occur because being a homeowner obviously means a lot of new responsibilities. And, you know, again, going back to being realistic, sometimes things happen for better or for worse. And, and you might need to make a few repairs, things like that, so you definitely want to have the money to make sure that you can afford those repairs right. when they when you need them
0: That's a great point that's a great point. And maybe your wife could start her practice a little you know by bootstrapping it a little bit at first, and then once she's kind of in it can understand better the real amount of money that she's gonna to need to borrow as opposed to just saying, I think it's gonna be about a hundred thousand or whatever, maybe borrowing more than she needs and spending more than she should. So that's the other benefit to waiting it out and um being a little bit more prudent in your steps towards building a business. And, you know, I do think it's a great time to buy a home. Interest rates are super low and the fall is a bit of a quiet time to buy, but that also may mean that You won't have as much competition. If you find the house that you love, maybe you'll be the only ones to bid or just one of five instead of one of 50 as the summer proved. All (laughs) right, guys and gals, Fred, Carrie, Brianna, and uh, Ashley, Sarah, thank you so much for writing in. We hope these answers were helpful to you. And as a reminder, if you have any questions for me, always just click on Ask Farnoosh. Visit somoneypodcast.com and click on Ask Farnoosh. And if you would like to be considered for a Mint audit, uh, I mentioned earlier that I'm doing these monthly reviews of people's budgets, people who are Mint users. Let me know if you'd like to be uh, considered. Email me at farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. And thanks so much for your support. We hit 3 million downloads last week. That was huge. yeah. (laughs) Burying the lead a little bit, but uh, thank you so much and hope you have a great weekend. I think Monday is Columbus Day, right? Yes. Hope you guys have a great long weekend and see you back here on Monday. We've got Aaron Task on the show. He is a dear friend, one of the first people I ever worked with in my career, and now he is at Fortune.com running the digital side of Fortune Magazine. So uh, stay tuned for his advice and his experiences with money. Hope you have a So Money weekend.